And I would like you to take your Bibles tonight in the time we have. We respectful the hour. I realize some of you, this is your time you celebrate with family and friends. And I appreciate you coming out tonight to church and, uh, and, and being here on this Christmas Eve. And I think the Lord will bless you for it. And it's a blessing in being faithful to church. Isaiah chapter number 9, a familiar portion of prophetic scripture this evening. We're thankful we can have the Spanish service join us tonight. If you hear somebody talking in the background, that's Brother Eric translating. And they're listening on the headphones. So uh, you just concentrate on me and that noise will fade away. And, and uh, it'll, you'll, uh, won't hear it after a while. Isaiah chapter number 9 tonight. We are going to have our candlelight service, and after we're done preaching, we'll sing a song with the candles. Somebody asked me, you have real candles? No, we don't use real candles anymore. I'm getting too old, and my heart can't take the strain of watching kids play with candles in the church anymore. It's just, and uh, I'm, I'm afraid of some, the wax dripping over the floor, somebody's hair going up in flames, and then the building, I just, I just, can't, I just can't handle it no more. So we went liberal, and we bought LED twist flames, and, and so uh, you don't like that, then uh, that's just too bad. Listen, the Catholics went liberal years ago when you put a quarter in a slot and the thing lights up, so it's, we, I guess we're joining ranks with them, so, but we're not, we're not charging you a quarter, it's a free, it's a free, uh, it's a free candle, all right, and uh, Isaiah chapter number nine. This piece of scripture is known for its prophecy that's found in all the book of Isaiah. is a marvelous book. And really the first, it's, Isaiah is considered a mini Bible. There's 66 chapters in Isaiah. And really the first 39 chapters of this book speak of judgment. And, and, and then the last, 27, speak of God's comfort and, and blessings. It's a marvelous book. There is the false teaching that there are two Isaiahs, the one who wrote the first 39, then a guy who wrote the second. There's only one Isaiah, and he wrote all of the book, but under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And in this, we find a lot of great promises and uh, uh, prophecies concerning the Savior, his first coming, as well as his soon return. We are looking forward to the rapture and the Lord taking us home one day. Now, in Isaiah chapter number 9, if you found that place, we are going to look at verse number 6. And if you can't find it, just look at the banners and read it there, and uh, that'll work just as well. Amen? We don't use these verses as memory verses in Sunday school, because some kid will be like, for unto us a son is... And so we don't need cheating going on in here. All right? Verse number six, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor... The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forevermore, or forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's pray. Father, bless the time, the hour, now. We're thankful we can be here. Thankful, Lord, for the church gathering on this beautiful Christmas Eve you have given to us. And Lord, we may not know the actual day of your birth. We do not know that, that time. But Lord, we do know that you did come. We do know that the angel came and told Zechariah and Mary and Joseph. He came and visited the shepherds that night. And we know that the wise men were guided by you to eventually find the Savior. You prophesied about this birth and 
many of your books. And so tonight, today, we set aside to remember all of this. Thankful, Lord, that you loved us and saw our condition. Sinful, helpless, needy, and unable to do anything on our own. And a great God, you had mercy and pity and gave us a great Savior who's able to save all that will come and call upon him. Now, Lord, help my tongue tonight to say only that which needs to be said and guide my thoughts. Spirit of God, speak for me and speak through me that the words tonight will be encouragement and challenging. And if anybody does not know Christ as Savior, let this be the time that they can say uh, it was on Christmas Eve that I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. My life was changed forever. And Lord, you're a great God, and you're a good God. And we love you and we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the book of Acts, the Bible tells us about our Savior. And it says there is that neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other name. There's no other name that God has given. It's the name of Jesus Christ is the only name that provides salvation for mankind. That gets you in a lot of trouble in a lot of places. What about this? Listen, I'm just letting you know what God says. And the Bible says that there's no salvation in any other name. You can call upon any name. And my friend, you will not have salvation unless that name is Jesus Christ and the Christ of the Bible. I was working somewhere one day and somebody thought my name was Pete and they kept yelling, Pete, Pete. And I, you don't respond when your name is not being called. And finally, I'm like, who is Pete and why don't they answer? And the guy's like, aren't you Pete? I'm like, no. Well, what's your name? It's Matt. I thought it was Pete. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it's Matt. Oh, so you don't answer if somebody's yelling a different name. My friend, God answers to the name of Jesus Christ. And in Isaiah chapter number 9, we are introduced to this piece of prophecy concerning the, the Messiah, the King of Israel that is to come. We notice several things about here in this scripture. He says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The great peace that is founded in Jesus Christ, one of the greatest prophecies of uh, of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament is given and really in these two verses. We see his character here where it says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. A child is born. That, my friend, refers to the humanity of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was flesh. He was human in the same sense that we are human with flesh and bones and blood and, and, and everything that goes with this body of ours. And it says a child is born. This, my friend, refers to the humanity to the, to the uh, again, the humanity uh, of Christ. And while a son is given, refers to the deity of Christ. He is the son of God. He is not the son of Joseph. He is the son of God. We see several things about him. We see some great description of Jesus Christ, the world's future governor and ruler. Now, I don't know if you've paid attention. We're gearing up for an election season next year, and it, and it, and it vows to be a doozy. I'm not going to go into politics, but it's just going to be an interesting election year next year. And everybody's going to vote for somebody next year. And bumper stickers will be out and signs will be on lawns. Everybody has their choice for who they think should be the next president of the United States. 
is going to be. We all need to be praying about that, by the way, because uh, we're in a world of hurt, we're in a world of mess, and it's a sinful, rotten nation, and the only hope for this nation is Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, and, and I've, I've lived long enough to hear politicians, I guess I'm old enough to remember Nixon being elected. Johnson was, I was only three years old when uh, Johnson was elected president, so uh, I, I remember Nixon, and then in, in 76 we had an election in sixth grade or fifth grade class on who we wanted to be the president, and me and, and one other kid voted for Ford, and, and the rest of the class voted for Carter. And so that's how that election won. So, it was, so uh, my elections usually don't go well. I, I don't even know why I bother voting, because people I vote for never win. So if you want to know who to vote for, well, anyway. But I've lived long enough to see these people elected, and we've had some great leaders and some good people in our time. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, they can't fix everything. There may be four years of a good time, prosperity and peace, and, and things look good, but when the next guy rolls around, we go into problems and heartaches and depression and recessions and, and wars and all kinds of other problems. There's always problems with a man who runs a, a government. The Bible tells us about the future leader of the world here, Jesus Christ, and what he's going to be like. We notice, first of all, some of the names of our Savior and who he is. And I want us to concentrate a little bit on these names tonight. It says, And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And by the way, you ever notice that most men, when they get into office and after they leave office, have aged 20 years? They really do. I guess the greatest toll on any man would be Abraham Lincoln. You look at his before and after photographs, and there's not too many photographs of Abe Lincoln, but uh, before he became president and after, the man aged 20 years in the few years he had as president. It, was, it, it took a toll on him because the strain of trying to run a government and dealing with all the opposition. Well, Jesus Christ will not have that problem. It says that his name shall be called Wonderful. We notice here, first of all, the adoration of our Savior. His name is Wonderful. Now, my friend, if you don't know Christ, you don't understand this name. Maybe the best way we can relate it, if you are dating somebody in those first few months when you were truly in love and, and, and had the flutters and, the, and everything else that goes with it, and somebody said, well, what's your girlfriend like? And you say, oh, she's wonderful. Remember those days? Come on now. Don't sit there like... Or they may ask, what's your boyfriend like? Oh, he, he's wonderful. And every married person looked at you like, yeah, hello. They'll get over it. Oh, oh, oh she's calling me. She's calling me. Hello. Then you get married. Oh, she's calling me again. What's, what? I'm working. My wife used to write me little love notes. I got them, we got them all at home. I still find little, Abby, you like this, I still find little notes. I get home, we need milk, bread. It's, just, it's, it's these sweet, wonderful little things we, we have for each other. But my wife is wonderful. Is she upstairs? Is she, is she paying attention? Right? She doesn't have the headphones on listening to the game, is she? No? And so, well, we may think somebody's wonderful. And then we realize, well, you know, they're just human like the rest of us. But my friend, when it comes to Christ and our Savior, our Savior ought to be 
wonderful. The Bible says that he is altogether lovely. He is the fairest of 10,000. He is the lily of the valley. And our Savior is wonderful. I'd like you to take your Bible and keep your finger here, but look at Judges chapter number 13. Judges chapter number 13. We see an interesting story here. Here we have the story of Samson. When I was a boy, Samson was my, my favorite Bible character. I mean, the guy had muscles. He's killing Philistines, tearing lions in half, tearing gates off of cities, and just the kind of stuff boys like. Then you grow up to read about him, like, this guy had issues. And you kind of move on to somebody else that didn't have so much issues in life. I always felt bad for Samson. I still get brokenhearted when I see this, the man of God getting his eyes poked out down there by the Philistines. And every Christian ought to get upset when the man of God falls. In Judges chapter number 13, it's being prophesied that uh, Samson's parents will have this son. And the angel comes and the angel says that he's, in verse number uh, 16, The angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Though thou detain me, I will not eat thy bread. If thou wilt eat, I will offer a burnt offering that thou must offer unto the Lord. For Manoah knew not that the angel, that it was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, What is thy name? And when thy sayings come to pass, we may do thee honor. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is a, it's a secret? The angel of the Lord is an interesting study. We looked at the angel of the Lord this morning in, in prophecy, in, 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 or in, in the book of Luke, and saw the angel of the Lord there. And we suspect it's probably Gabriel, after Gabriel had appeared several times before. And now, here in, 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 in uh, other places in Scripture, we see the angel of the Lord, and and sometimes the angel of the Lord is an angel. Sometimes it's, it's not an angel. Actually, what we call a, a, a pre-Bethlehem appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the angel says he, he can't give his name because his name is a secret. And that word secret there is an interesting word. We don't, what's his name? Why is it a secret? Well, when we go to our verse here in verse number chapter, in Isaiah chapter number 9, in verse number 6, when his name is called wonderful, it's really the same Hebrew word. The word secret and the word wonderful are the same thing. His name is wonderful. And again, nothing is so wonderful as Jesus Christ. And again, that word wonderful is not an adjective. That's his name. That's his name. So when you talk about Christ, you say, what's your Savior's name? His name's wonderful. That's his name. You may have a middle name. Everybody usually doesn't like to reveal their middle name because it's usually something different or weird or named after some relative somewhere, and, and with my middle initial being B, people always guess Bartholomew. By Bartholomew, you always get the number one guess. B, what's the, what's the B for? What do you think it is? Bartholomew. No, it's not Bartholomew. And then they go all the way around the bar. I get Brian and Barton, all kinds. Hey, well, it's Benjamin. My middle name is Benjamin, Matthew Benjamin. I always thought that was a cool-sounding name. But my, that's, my, that's my name. That's the one my parents gave me. So if you say Matthew Benjamin, I'll... I'll turn around and I'll think my mother's somewhere nearby because that's when I knew I was in trouble, amen? If I got the whole trifecta, Matthew Benjamin Swikowski, I knew I was in for a beatdown because I did something wrong. Usually my sister lying about me, but that's another story for another time. But his name is wonderful. My friend, again, we think about Christ and why is Christ wonderful? Well, my friend, he's wonderful, first of all, because he loves me and he loves you. 
You know, most people have two fears. Every young person has a fear in their life. They have two fears, actually. Every young person is afraid, first of all, that nobody's going to love them. Second fear is that they will never love anybody. Those two fears lie within people. Well, understand something. God knows those needs, and God will take care of those needs. But at the end of the day, Jesus Christ loves me. We sing the song with our children. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And today I know Jesus loves me. People may fall out of love with somebody. One day they say, I love you. The next day they say, I hate you. But I know one thing, Jesus always loves me. Why is he wonderful? Because he loves me. Why does he love me? I don't know why he loves me. He just loves me. And my friend, he loves you as well. Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you so much he came to earth because he loved you and cared for you so much. He not only did he love me, but he saved me. I'm glad that Jesus saved me a long time ago. I was only 10 years old when Jesus saved me and then called me to serve him. I've never gotten over that. I'm glad I'm saved tonight. If you're saved, you ought to, ought to be thankful to God. Why, why is my Savior wonderful? Why is his name wonderful? Because he saved me. I'm going to heaven. You understand? I, I got him walking with me. I got him taking care of me every step of the way. He's going to meet my needs all the way through. He's never going to leave me. That makes my Savior wonderful. Not only that, he, he sacrificed himself for me. Christ died for me on Calvary's cross. It was me that was, he was on that cross. It was my sins that put my Savior there. He's wonderful because he sacrificed for me. We've all had friends growing up. And, and uh, early on in life, I noticed, now don't get offended here or get hurt, but it's just a pattern I saw when I was growing up that girls didn't seem to keep friends very long. They're all BFFs and, you know, friends forever. And then two weeks later, they're, they hate each other and will not have nothing to do with you. It's like, I thought you guys were best friends. And, and, and guys may get into a fist fight and knock each other's teeth out, but the next day they're out there best friends again. That's how it rolls with guys, amen? But girls are a little different. They say, not me. We've been best friends forever. Let's God bless you. But I just know people, I thought you girls would, you, nope, changed. Well, my friend, the one you may walk with now may not be the one you walk with tomorrow. But one thing I know, Jesus has promised to walk with me all the way through. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake me. Jesus walks with me. He holds me by his right hand. His omnipotent hand holds me. Even though I stumble, I will not be utterly cast down, the Bible says. My Savior walks with me. Now, I got, it's around this time of year, back in 19. 88. I came home from Bible college. I was sick as a dog. I had a, a, just wiped out sick. I had an ear infection. I had strep throat and I had mono. I mean, I was flat on my back. And uh, my boss was yelling, when are you coming back to work? As soon as I'm able to function, I'll get back to work. But I said, I got to do one thing first. I'm going back down to college and I'm going to get all my stuff out of my dorm room. I'm not going back to Bible college. Uh, but before I do that, I'm going to stop and visit Renee. She lives in Georgia, and I'm going to propose to my wife, my future wife. I'm going to propose to her. Hopefully she says yes. <laughs> How could she turn me down? Now, and so I, that was my plan. We drove through the night, got down to the house, and I proposed to Renee, and she said yes. And, and, and I, we went to, to college, got my stuff, threw it in the car, and went back to her house. And I said, listen, I have to go back to New Jersey, but uh, we're going to get married 
sometime this spring or summertime. We'll work on the date. So I came back to home, and she stayed down there in Georgia. She worked, and I worked, and, and we talked on the phone every night. And by the way, it wasn't, we didn't talk on these things. We, had actually, we, we talked on actual phones that, with wires attached to them. That, and, uh, and so we talked every night. And my mom said, don't worry about the bill. I'll take care of it. I know you're trying to save for marriage. And my mom was kind that way. And, and, and every night after 9 o'clock, remember those days, you, you made phone calls. Kids have no idea. And then weekends, it was free. It's like, a, it's like what kind of punishment, a psycho thing they made us go through to make phone calls back in the day. But I said, and, we, and so we picked a date. And I said, I'm going to come back for you. And I did. I, we drove down to Georgia. And uh, Renee and I got married. We didn't see each other except one time during that, that was a month of separation there. And, and uh, the marriage has been working so far after all these years. And we thank God for it. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Well, I said, I, I'll be back. And we did. We drove down to Georgia, got married, put her in the car, and we came back to, to God's country. Amen? New Jersey. <laughs> where a man can get a Taylor ham sandwich on a hard roll. I was down South Jersey one time. I asked for a Taylor ham on a hard roll. And the lady looked at me. And she goes, I'll give you a pork roll on a Kaiser bun. Kaiser bun. I said, listen, lady, the Germans got nothing to do with this. I want to, I want to tailor ham on a hard roll and, and uh, how to straighten them South Jersey. She was in a Berlin diner. That's all you need to know down there, amen? So Germans and their Kaiser rolls. Now, understand something. Jesus Christ is coming back someday. The disciples were looking up into heaven as he ascended, and the angel said, now, men, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus will come again in like manner. My friend, he's going to come back someday. Why is he coming back? Because he said, if I, uh, go, he said I'm, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, what? And receive you unto myself. Our Savior's coming back. And I thank God. That's what makes my Savior wonderful. We notice there's another name here, and we won't take time on all of these names, but his name is Counselor. Again, that's his name. And no one gives such wonderful counsel as Jesus Christ does through his word. You want to counsel? Read the word of God. You want to know what to do with your life? Read the word of God. You want to know what to avoid in your life? Read the word of God. You want to know whether you should marry somebody or not? Read the word of God. Well, how does the Bible tell me who to marry? Listen, if they're a bum who doesn't want anything to do with church, you don't marry them. Amen? And if they, they, they ask you to do stupid things, you don't marry them. If they make you to try to do things that are unscriptural, you don't marry them. That's, that's counsel. The Bible is my counselor. I read this book, and I keep reading this book. It counsels me on what I should be doing. And the reason we don't know what to do with God in our life is because we never spend time in the Word of God to get instructions from it. Christ lived as a man, bearing all the trials and temptations of humanity. He even suffered incomprehensible persecution and was eventually executed as a criminal. But what we see in our Savior, he, we see somebody who's able to counsel us because he himself bore these infirmities. Due to his intense suffering, he's able to be most empathetic counselor imaginable. Now, my friend, we don't have to go through what somebody goes through to understand. But it does help if somebody has walked the same road that we have walked and, 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 and been able to help us. You've been there. Many years ago, I, my father died in September, my brother died in October, my mother died in December. 
and uh, it was a difficult year. A couple months later, somebody said, listen, my mother passed away. Can you help me? Because I, I, you've been through this, but even worse, can you help me? So how would you help him? I told him about Jesus because that's the only thing that got me through that because I know where my loved ones are. <laughs> There's a place called heaven and my, my Savior, who's called Wonderful, has counseled me that he's taken them home and I'm going to see him again. I don't spend time worrying about those things and, and grieving over those things because I know where they are. I always think of it like being going to work. The family's home. I'm still at work. One day I'll... Work will be over and I'll go home too when the Lord calls me home in his good time. Melanie and I were texting last night, our daughter, and she's, I forget even how we came up on the topic and we were joking around a little bit. And I said, oh, I prayed the Lord to give me at least 20 to 25 more years left. Seeing how I'll, the, the magic number of 60 is approaching, I, I'm, I'm looking at this thing now with more reality and realize, well, 20, that was, that give me 80. I'm pressing it, but I'm, I've had a lot of hot dogs and hamburgers to be asking for 80, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Jesus and a few slices of pizza thrown in there too. But that's called good living, amen? I'm going to die, I'm going to die happy. I'm going to die with some quiche on my mouth. I'm going to die with something good and go out and meet Jesus, amen? Somebody said, Pastor, I got some quiche. Well, you can throw that right over there. And uh, God made receptacles for that thing. And uh, it'll help you in life. By the way, when was the last time you saw a happy vegetarian? They are the most miserable people on planet Earth. And they're always like... It's like, dude, eat a cheeseburger, you, you, you get calm right down. Am I the only one who sees this in life? Or is this everybody just... They're all just bumper stickers on their car. You're killing the cows. Amen. I digress. He's our counselor. He comforts us. He gives us solid guidance and... How can we handle the problems we face? I handle them with Jesus Christ. As the wonderful counselor, Christ can guide and encourage and strengthen us and conquer the trials and temptations that confront us. As the wonderful counselor, he teaches us how to walk victorious through life. Hebrews tells us, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The psalmist cried out, But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. It's an amazing thought that God thinks upon me. I had somebody tell me one time, You know, Matt, I've thought about you a thousand times. I'm like, Good or bad? What do you mean you thought about me a thousand times? Good or bad? I'm glad God thinks about me. And I know, I know what the Bible says. He has, my Bible says that God has good thoughts towards me. And God has wonderful thoughts toward me, what he wants to bless me with. The Bible says, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Who is our Savior? Who is this one born in Bethlehem? Well, he's He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's the mighty God. This, my friend, is the second testimony of the, of the deity of Christ in this text. As God, he is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. And he's omnipresent, that means he's present everywhere. He's able to save any who cry out to him for salvation. 
As a pastor, Pastor Jorge knows this, people sometimes want you to be in all places at all times. Why weren't you here? Oh, I had to be over here. And I can only be in one place at one time. And I have to sometimes weigh out a decision which one is one that's more important at the moment that I have to deal with and take care of. I'm thankful God can be all places at all time. And even if a pastor can't make it, my friend, you can always cry out to Almighty God knowing that God is there with you. He has the power to deliver people from bondage or oppression. Whether due to some enemy or to some personal addictions, he's able to help us. He's a mighty God. He's the mighty one. I said, I'm getting older. I'm, I'm not what I used to be. I, I realize my fastest days are over the days of climbing trees and buildings and everything. They're, they're done. They're behind me. I get on the, the ground now. I'm looking for a place that I can pull myself up till my knee gets better, Lord willing. But I realize I'm getting older, and things happen as you grow older. But I'm glad my God does not grow old. He's still a mighty God. He does not grow old. He does not grow weary. My Savior is very strong and able to help me. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what trials I'm going through, no matter what temptation or addiction, my Savior is a mighty Savior. He says here his name is also Everlasting Father. Now, again, do not confuse this. He is not claiming to be the the Father uh, in the Trinity here. This is a, uh, again, here it's, it's a, it speaks of salvation. For a father protects his children, provides for them. They're just the two great works of salvation. Saving us and then providing for us. Anybody can father children. Anybody can say, you know, that's my kids, but I don't do anything for them. I don't provide for them. And you're really not a, a, a human being when you don't do that. You give life to something, you take care of it. When Jesus saved me, he provides for me. He didn't say, Matt, figure it out, fend for yourself. No, my Savior provides for me. The emphasis lies upon the fact that the Messiah will love his people as a father loves his children. He will care for his people. He'll nurture and nourish, comfort and assure and instruct and inform, lead and guide, correct and discipline them. He will do anything his people may need. Why? Out of deep Love, concern for them. God's blessed my wife and I with four children. We have raised them the best that we know how. We've made, I've made many f mistakes along the way and things I can think back upon and regret and say, I should have done this differently, wish I'd done that and, and done this more. And, but I've done my best. My wife and I have done our best to raise our children. Now our children are having children. No, it's a blessing to have them. And we love our grandchildren because in our grandchildren we see our children. It's a second chance to love our children through our grandchildren. So we're excited about it. We're excited about the baby that is soon to be born by the grace of God. We're looking forward to that and, 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 and spoiling that child and, and, and stopping Ethan and Sarah from punishing him because anything that kid does wrong is probably a result of their parents aggravating them and, and they it just doesn't need to be corrected. Amen? Because I know the father especially. And, and anyway, amen, Sarah? But I think back upon my children, the different <laughs> the things we went through, and, and uh, I loved our children, did everything we could for them to provide for them. I worked long, hard hours and broke my back and did everything I could to make sure that the needs were met in our homes. Well, my friend, I'm not a perfect man, far from it, but I have a perfect Savior who cares for me and has made sure that I have lacked nothing in life. Not that I've, all my wants have been met. My wants 
are not sanctified, but my needs have been met. I want a lot of things sometimes that don't... We had our, the kids would go through the catalogs back in the day and circle what they wanted in the, the toy catalog for Christmas. Ethan would just like hand us the whole catalog, here you go. And like, we'll, we'll work on this one, son. And which one do you want? And they'd circle what they wanted in that toy catalog. You remember those days? You? By the time he came along, catalogs were, you don't get the, you know, now it's all internet. But really, if you want to entice kids, you put a picture in front of them and say, you've got to have this kid. And that's how, you, how that works. But we've done our best to give our kids not everything they wanted, but what they needed. When I was a kid, I wanted a dirt bike. Ma, I want to buy a dirt bike. No, you can't have a dirt bike. Ma, Ma, everybody else has a dirt bike. No, they don't. Yes, they do. No, they don't. What do you mean, no, they don't? No, you don't have a dirt bike. So, therefore, everybody doesn't have a dirt bike. Man, it's not fair. I want a dirt bike. You'll break your neck, and you're not having a dirt bike. Ma, my mom wouldn't even let us have water pistols. Now, my mom didn't mind guns, but she said, water pistols start fights. That's why we couldn't have water pistols. We can have other guns. We had, I had an arsenal of toy guns back in the house and things that made noise. And we had an old 30, 30 Winchester toy gun that you cranked it and put it in it, and it made a shooting sound. And I learned that if you stuck it in the dirt and cocked it and shot it, the dirt would pop out in people's faces. Anybody my age remember this, that toy? I remember, I took that to show and tell. This is my rifle, and, I, and everybody's like, yeah, public school. Imagine that going on. <laughs> my soul, there'd be 30 cops down there, and some kid being hauled off with his 30. I'm, I'm twirling that thing like John Wayne there in the school with my, and every kid wanted to play with the 30-30 toy rifle. My kids still have that thing. We just, you couldn't kill those guns, but I couldn't have a water pistol because a water pistol actually and you tick off people, and next thing you know, there's a fight breaking out. So I was a denied water pistols. That's what's wrong with me. I was denied. I'm just got mental issues now because my mom said no to me so often. We need more kids with mental issues because mom said no to them today. Amen? But my Father in heaven provides for me. My Savior provides for me. He's my everlasting Father. In 2005, I said goodbye to my earthly dad. I remember we went to the hospital. They said he had a massive stroke, and he laid there in the bed, and the doctor said, well, it's up to you what you want us to do. We can keep him on the machines or unplug it and see what happens. My dad was 87. He had several minor strokes already. He was bound to a wheelchair. I said, this was a major stroke. He said, yeah, it's it a, it a massive stroke. If he does come out of it, we don't know what type of state he'll be in. So my mom was there, my mom and I made the decision that we would take my dad off the machines and my dad may have been already been gone, we don't know, but my dad passed away. And I sat down in the chair there and for the first time I realized in my life, I'm, I guess I'll do the math on that, I forget the math, probably in my early 40s, and I realized first time in my life I don't have a father. I don't have a father anymore. And I broke down in tears and wept and it, in that emergency room, my dad was gone. Well, my friend, I have an everlasting father in Jesus Christ. I take comfort in that, knowing he will always be there for me. Even when I'm old and gray and my body's bent and broken, my Savior will still be my everlasting father. 
He's the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Again, for sake of time, we move on. Peace comes through Jesus Christ, who reconciles us with God Almighty. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1, as we saw this morning, having peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad I have a Savior who provided peace for me. We see that upon his government shall be upon his shoulders. The increase of government and of peace, there shall be no end. Jesus Christ, not the United Nations, will be the one who will eventually rule the world and bring peace to this world. The world wants peace. People, most people want peace. They want to be left alone. But for some reason, we just can't have that. There's always somebody that wants to take over and destroy and kill and maim. But someday when Christ returns, it'll be a kingdom of peace. You can read Isaiah. He describes that peaceful kingdom. We notice the calendar. When will this king, we elect a person to office? And we think, for the next four years anyway, we got a good man in office. But then what happens after those four years? Who are we going to get after those four years? It says here in Isaiah chapter number 9, verse number 7, that his kingdom shall have no end. <laughs> no end. My friend, you think about that when Jesus Christ comes to rule and reign. No end. And where is this kingdom going to be? It says upon the throne of David. Christ will rule from Jerusalem, my friend. Israel's a hot place. It always has been. Jerusalem's always been a contested place. Why? Because, my friend, it's the place where Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign. That belongs to Israel, by the way. It doesn't belong to anybody else. That's their land. God gave it to them. And Jesus Christ will come and, and establish his kingdom in that land and rule on the throne of David. That's a Jewish reference to the state of Israel. David's and Israel's greatest hour will come. Israel's had some great times. We think of the rule of King David. What a great rule that was. The rule of Solomon. What a wonderful 40 years that was. They haven't had a rule like that ever since. Till Christ comes and returns. We see his character in verse number 7. Where it talks about with judgment and with justice. I don't know about you. I'm a little sick and tired of the crime wave going through our country. I'm tired of criminals not being punished. California, some places you can steal up to $900 worth of merchandise and not be prosecuted. There's something wrong with that. There's something seriously wrong with that. When criminals run out of stores and nobody chases, and if you chase them and hurt the criminal, listen, the state of Philadelphia, the state of Pennsylvania, sorry, awarded criminals $9 million dollars. The people that were trying to burn and destroy the city a few years ago were hurt by the police officers who were trying to stop them and arrest them were awarded $9 million. There's something wrong with that. There's something wrong. Listen, if you're trying to burn the city down and the police hurt you, I'm sorry, you deserve to be hurt and hurt bad. If you're trying to burn people's property down and kill people, I'm sorry. I'm tired of criminals running around and, things, and, 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 and innocent people when a man defends his store in New York and kills a criminal and they arrest the shopkeeper, there's something wrong with that. They ought to give that man a parade down Broadway, especially when it's all on video. Here's a guy came in beating up a shopkeeper and, and eventually took the guy out. No, that's, he needed to go. He needed to go. We see crime all over this country, and it seemed to be getting away with it. Well, my friend, with Christ comes, he says he'll rule with what? With judgment and with justice no crime 
will have a chance in the government of the Lord Jesus Christ. I kind of like that. I like law and order. I, I like things to be run right. And he says that we see the certainty of this. How do we know this is going to happen? Because he says at the end of this verse, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Zeal is a word that means jealousy. And it's not a bad jealousy. Because God is a jealous God. And jealousy, and again, it can be a sinful thing, but it's also a righteous thing and a good thing. And no one can stop divine zeal from accomplishing his will. God loves his creation. He created this planet and he created people in it. And how do we know he's going to? Because his zeal, his jealousy for his creation will make sure this will happen. This will take place. Do not grow weary. Do not grow tired in well-doing because Jesus Christ will soon come. The one who was born of Bethlehem, who grew up to be a man, died on Calvary's cross, rose again the third day, ascended back to heaven, will come again to establish his kingdom because he has promised it to be so. But in the meantime, you and I have a wonderful Savior who's wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. That's who we celebrate. That's what we remember tonight. That's what we recognize. Not just a baby in Bethlehem. We recognize who that baby is and what he came to do and what he's going to do someday. My friend, if you do not know Christ as Savior, this is the day that you need to come and get that issue settled and make Jesus Christ your Savior and be born again by His Spirit. Do not put off a decision you know in your heart must be made, a decision that you know that God is speaking about you to surrender to come to Him because God will not do you any good, any harm. He'll do you nothing but good. Why do we turn away from that which is good and going to be a blessing? And why do we not serve the one who loved us? Let's stand together for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And we thank you for salvation. Now, Lord, bless our time, bless our service, and bless this song time. And we ask these things.